and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show and a very special edition of the Ramon Foster Show. He, of course, is Ramon Foster. I'm Dan Kovacevic, and this show is brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're open for business 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Moan, happy Browns Day. Happy Browns Day. And it feels like it outside, too. I don't know about y'all, but it feels like it. <laughs> Actually, Sad. it is, it is kind of gray <laughs> and gloomy uh, here. Let's... Uh, Let's remind everybody that the AFC North has been our subject for the week. We went over the Ravens on Monday. We went over the Bengals on Tuesday, and we saved the best for last, of course. That would be your Cleveland Browns, who invested a quarter of a billion dollars in a quarterback who might not be playing in the NFL for like, oh, you know, a couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moan, how? How is it that people are looking at this team as being better than the Steelers? How? On what well, logic? It's for the potentially because they have Deshaun. Uh, that has to be the only reason. You, Every you, day there's two new accusers. We're up to 26 now. The what is it? Was, what is the NFL waiting for? I mean, we've been over this, but I mean, I know. wow. It, it, it's simply because of the quarterback. I'll, I'll just start there. Simply because. Pittsburgh has that question that has to be answered. And the only way to answer that is going through a season to see how either Mitch, either Mason, or either uh, Kenny Pickett is going to be able to play quarterback this year. That is why the Browns are ahead of the Steelers on some people's pages. Um, if if you're into the gambling site stuff, I'm not a, a gambler by far as far as sports betting goes, but the only position that moves the line as point spreads is quarterback. And they do have one, although they gave up three first-round draft picks, I think a third round, and a quarter of a billion dollars. That's why. Do you know okay. what the betting? Do you know what the betting line is on the Browns over under wins for uh, the season? Is it nine? It's it's right now not available. Oh well, there we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's so, kind of my point here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's uh, I, I, you know I know we've talked about Watson quite a bit on the show here, and I don't oh, want to yeah. make this a Deshaun no. Watson thing here, but. This is the entire elephant herd in the yeah. living room. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he can't play, yeah. forget it. We're talking about the Jacoby Brissett in all likelihood being your starter because they can't patch up with Baker Mayfield. There's no yeah, way. No. And there's a, a rumor the other day that said, you know, uh, the talks between Carolina and the Browns are picking up as far as Baker goes. Whether that happened or not, you, you still, if you don't have Deshaun, which he's going to be suspended at some point, you got Jacoby Brissett, as you said, Joshua Dobbs and Baker Mayfield. They'll have to figure that one out. But just looking at this team, the team, and, and this is what's so frustrating about the Browns and why you know I notoriously clown them. Okay. I do it on social media. I do it on here. I do it almost anywhere. But you tell me a Browns, if you tell me you're a Browns fan, I say, oh, that's sad. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel bad for that fan base because they are rabid about their team. There's nothing like the Cleveland Browns fan base. And and I, I it's like until you've driven along the edge of the lake mm-hmm. in the direction of the Brown Stadium going past yeah. Rock Hall. And you know what I'm talking about because your team bus takes you that way yep. up 90. And you see just the endless seas of parking lots. And then you remember, oh, wow, this team is oh and 15 or whatever they that it is. Way. Yes. Yeah. And there's still 73,000 of them in that place filling every orange seat. And you're going, how do you 
do this. Like, at least Pirates fans know to take a couple of years off. You know, like they leave PNC Park empty. Browns fans, they still fill the place. They're there. They're there. But looking at the team offensively, you got Wyatt Taylor. You you got Joel Bittonio. You got Jack Conklin, just a star. You also still have Chris Hubbard there who took a pay cut to stay there. So there has to be something about this team that you're just like, what the heck? The running back duo. I mean, Nick Chubb. I, I'm all Nick Chubb. I'm all about Nick Dog. Chubb. I, I just think I think the absolute world of this player, um, and it's it, he's one of the few guys that I look at on this team and say it's a shame that they haven't won anything because they're wasting a heck of a career there. Who, who seems to be the opposite of what their quarterback has been portrayed. Nick, Nick Chubb can walk in any room. You're like, man, I love you. You know, I hate that you do what you do against my team, but I love you, man. And you deserve a whole lot better. That's Nick Chubb to me. Okay. Your uh, your old head coach feels very much the same way. Come uh, Mike on, man. Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is a big Nick Chubb guy, and you get why, okay? And they they finally signed David and Joko. Like, listen to this roster, David and Joko. They signed him back, man. They got some young wide receivers. They ended up trading for Amari Cooper. These are just some of the 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 the, the moves they've made. Donovan Peoples Jones is another guy on this team. They got. Every position he was their best receiver last year. Everybody Come kept on, talking about the other guys, but all Donovan Peoples-Jones did was make big plays again and That's again, it. despite having a lousy quarterback. Yeah, they, they have a left tackle. They have a right tackle. Like, Jedrick Willis is a really good left tackle in his knee. This league, you got an all-pro Jack Conklin at right tackle, and we're still talking about offense here. Defensively, say what we want to. I'm taking TJ Watt over him any day of the week as far as Miles Garrett goes, but he's good. He's a physical specimen, man. And then you also got on the other side, they pull the best out of a guy in Jadavian Clowney. Like just in general, those two right there can cause a tear when it comes down to who they are. Greedy Williams on the back end of the secondary also. They have a really good team and it's a shame it really is a shame that they can't pull it together Taven Bryan is a guy they signed also in free agency this offseason it is a shame that they can't really pull it all together and you know what I'm glad of that yeah I know you are it's a classic case though of how meaningful ownership is sometimes uh, you know when we talk about ownership like for example in baseball which doesn't have a salary cap everything is all about payroll 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 when in in, in the cap sports it's not as much it's more about the, the nature of the decisions the scope of the decisions that are made and if you're the browns look i get wanting to part ways with baker okay this was a failed thing okay Mm -hmm. but really Really? To do it like this? To take this big of a gamble with your entire franchise? That's what they did. They put absolutely everything into Mm -hmm. Deshaun. And I'll say this, too, because they were beat down so much while we were playing just by everybody. They'd be five and, and friggin' 11 or something like that. Or, you know, they go into the season like, man, don't get beat by them. Like, they've always been a dangerous team. They've always had a whole lot of talent. They've always had a a, a gritty mindset they just have. They were probably one of the most, I guess, at the beginning of the game, most fearful games to go into because they always had nothing to lose. They always were going to give you their all. And if you let that fan base rally a little bit, you find yourself in a position where you leave out of that stadium with a tie. You know, they're, they're going to go four and 13 without Deshaun Watson. Four yeah. and 13. 
and that's why they jumped the gun to go get a guy like that. Yep. And it sucks for the players that are there. Four and 13. When we come back on the Ramon Foster show, we're going to talk about football. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show. If you missed yesterday's episode, this was a grievous error on your part because Ramon shared with the world the Bengals' fake egg story. And no, I'm not going to retell it because you still have a play button that you could press to go hear the full rendition of it, as well as somewhere in the background, our producer, Eddie Providence, just collapsing with laughter. Uh, Moan, we can talk yeah. about what the Bengals feed their guys, whether it's after a win or after a loss. Let's talk about what the Steelers get fed, specifically on the south side, because that's what we're always talking about when we talk about an HQ. It's it's at Steelers headquarters. Let's talk about that cafeteria and what goes on there. You, you want to tell them, DK? I'll just straight up tell them. You want to know what the food is on the south side? It's gunpowder. <laughs> gunpowder. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. They're feeding us gunpowder. That's that's what the culture is there. Uh, but but no, man, um, the chefs that we've had there in that kitchen, which they revamped it to be uh, very friendly for people that want to, you know, go to one fruit section, go to the, the hot food section, go to the deli section, go to the soup section, or go to the coffee section, which our producer Eddie Provident loves, by the way, right now. Um, but we actually had to not necessarily have a conversation about, you know, what's inside of the cafeteria, but there there was a, a raised expectation of look, you you got elite athletes in this room. Like you got to be able to find stuff that's that's gonna be good for either the health of guys that are dieting, trying to watch what they got, watch their weight going up or down. But it's also the options of look. Some days I just want to go in there and have a burger. It's always available in there. You want to have also most of the time athletes grilled chicken. You want to have that chicken thighs. You want to be able to have that the the variation of hot and cold foods and the way they cater to what you want. You can go in there and say, guys, we're having um steaks. There's steaks. We're having steaks. We got yeah, scallops on the side. This is and where so, it's it, this is where I think it's important to stress here that when you're talking about these foods, yeah, there are chefs there. Yes. Okay. This is not like whatever somebody might have. That's why I'm interrupting here. Is I think no. somebody might have in their head, oh, cafeteria style, whatever. Oh, here's from the no. microwave or whatever. Uh huh. No. No. When you when you do this, and by the way, reporters are allowed in this cafeteria mm-hmm. and invited. In fact, that's been a Rooney thing for many many years. Yep. Uh, we're invited into the cafeterias, uh, both on the south side and out in Latrobe, yep. and. We don't sit with the players. That's weird. We sit with each other, even though we don't particularly like each other. But you're in the room. <laughs> but we we eat uh, what 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 the athletes eat, and you pick from them. But when you yeah. do that, when you ask for a burger, they're not just grabbing it off the the shelf in a carton. No. They're making it for you. They're making it for you. Yes, and, and and not just that. They'll do whatever you need to be done with. Like I've seen guys go in there and their steaks <laughs> laid out for them that they cooked before, and guys are like, "Can you put that in a wrap for me? Because I gotta go." You know, it's that side of it. It's also, um, I say during the season, they cater to more towards Pittsburgh, especially towards the the colder part of the season where you got pierogies in there, where you got polenta in there, where you got, you know, a bunch of things that are very Pittsburgh-esque. They, they do a lot of those things, man, to where it's not just – we're distributing food. No, it's going to be Pittsburgh based. You're going to have your soup day. You're going to have your pasta day for the young guys that need to take home food. There's a pasta bar. Like there's different variations of stuff. I've been in there where we've had swordfish. We've had steak. We've had scallops. We've had shrimp. We've had elk. We've had almost everything that you want. But on the other side, you got quinoa. 
You know what I'm saying? You get you got uh What's all kind of it's a, a better grain than rice as far as uh watching your weight. You can you can eat quinoa instead of getting rice. So there's that option right there. Or if you just simply want, man, I want a soup and I want a sandwich and I'm out. Those well, are the you've, heard, you you've used the word option many, many times already in lot. this segment. And but that's actually the point of emphasis more than anything else, is that you go in there and you can get so many different types of things. And like you said, for different positional groups on a football team, you're looking for different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an O lineman, you have to watch that you're not losing exactly uh, or gaining. And, or more or gaining, <laughs> right? And uh, I have to share my Dick LeBeau story which is that Coach LeBeau uh, once saw me leaving the cafeteria area. You know this one. Yeah. And, and, he, and he saw me leaving without a banana, and he stopped me and said, never leave this room without a banana. Here's what the banana does for you. And you could just picture him. This is like him doing the night before Christmas thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, Dick LeBeau is telling me to eat a banana. This is like, I'm going to eat this banana. And you know what? Yeah, you are. Ever, ever since then, and it's been a while since since coach has been gone. Uh, I have taken a banana every single time. I don't yeah. sit there and eat it, but I'll take it with me, whether it's to the press room or to my car or wherever. Um, there are bananas. They're part of the salad bar. And I say this, it's, it's uber important, too, that you go to a workplace like that to where you're performing, that you have everything you have. Like in the mornings, the guys go get a workout and, hey, uh, Kev, Kev, I'll be back at about 830, man. Can I have two eggs scramble with bacon on the side? And some t-? Like it's they legitimately cater to you. And I'll say this on the back end of that. It's not just like you serve me. Like guys know you walk in that room, don't leave it trash. You respect those chefs as if you respect your coaches and the owners. They are as much as important to us as you are on that field and I am to you as a coach. That's one thing you do notice in that cafeteria too, DK. Real eggs or fake eggs? Real eggs always. Real eggs! What do you know (laughs) within the AFC North? When we come back, it's the Hey Moan segment. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. As always, it's time for our Hey Moan segment. And today's entry comes from JR, who asks, Hey Moan, who was the player that you modeled your game after or idolized while you were a kid? I actually don't know this answer. Uh, uh, Michael Irvin. <laughs> you know, Emmett Smith. <laughs> yeah, it was not. If anybody was expecting Ramon to say something like Alan Fanick or whatever, everybody no. wants to be a skill player. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it may be more prominent now because the exposure of the game for kids coming up that they can say that I modeled my game after you as an offensive lineman. But that I'll be real. That wasn't a dream of mine. It really wasn't. I was trying to be the next Reggie White coming out uh, as far I only wanted to play defense. I legitimately did. Like, I cared more about getting tackles in high school than I ever did about blocking somebody. I was mad because I'd be trying to block a defender, and it's documented. I got high school film of it. But I had D linemen cutting me as an offensive lineman because they didn't want to go against me. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but I just – I wanted to go punish people. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, and then on top of that, I, I ended up winning Mr. Football for my state. So I was good at it. I just didn't want to play offensive line. I knew when I went to college, and of course, when they recruited me, they were like, man, we're probably going to look at you as some on defense. But I knew that wasn't true. I was going straight to the offense, man. And there was no other way for me. 
Um, what about when you got to college, though, and you started having that position solidified? Is there any? Is there anybody that you said, "All right, uh, no. there's there's a game that I want to"? What about the patterning, Moan? No. You absolutely uh, no. I, I I never patterned it after anybody because I was so self conscious of myself. I had stuff I had to fix. One thing I can say to myself: I was a three star coming out of high school, like the number forty six overall tackle in the country, which is way down the line as far as overall rankings go. But I was a three star. I could play tackle and that's what I could do. I knew I was going to be a project. So it was so many things I had. And I came from a small school. Like nowadays, kids have technique coaches. They do a lot of camps. They know how to do it. Like I had to fix my specializing. Yeah. Yeah. I had to specialize in what I had to do in college. I had to get stronger, had to get faster, had to learn how to play offensive. I thought my set was perfect in high school. I get the college coach like, why are you back? Why are you still backing up? It's like you're going to back right up into the quarterback because nobody actually stopped me or got in front of me to, uh, for me not to stop. So, um, but I'll say this, the more and more I became a pro, the better student of myself before I came. And I became so, what's the word, cynical. I became so self-driven and just obsessed with not trying to mess up that I didn't have no time to really go watch somebody else. I appreciated how guys played. I absolutely loved, man, that guy's, he's a dog. You know, I could recognize Yonder. You know what I'm saying? But I don't play like Marshall Yonder from Baltimore. You see, like that was my thing. Let me fix me as much as I can so that if you are watching myself, you're studying me, then I know what my own deficiencies are. I, I'm pretty sure that's what led to the length of how long I played, too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, every every player is a little bit different in this regard. I remember asking Alejandro Villanueva about if if he had someone like that in the NFL and man his answer came back in a snap of a finger that it was yeah. David Bakhtiari of Green Bay oh yeah uh, he said that uh, he he described Bakhtiari as just being like the most technical yeah. precise and and he would he would study his film endlessly now mm-hmm. Ali was in a different situation oh, Ali no. came from multiple tours of combat duty in Afghanistan was a wide receiver was a wide receiver some somewhat tight, tight end, end and everything else and he comes to Pittsburgh and it's like Ali go into that cafeteria that we just talked about and find <laughs> everything that you can eat yeah. that's not good for you and put on like a zillion pounds he he adds close to a hundred pounds but he had to he had to add technique. So his focus yeah. was going to be different because he had to do it like this. He almost needed yeah. a cheat sheet, you yeah. know? He, he did. And there there is a, a difference in his journey. Like he had to watch somebody to understand, oh, I got to do this. To whereas me, I was continuously learning through coaching. I stayed in school for four years. Well, I redshirted and did four years. So I learned it. And then I had to learn myself. Like I've recognized guys like you asked the Castro. I'm sure he reminded a bunch of people of Alan Fanica. Well, ask the Castro if he actually watched Alan Fanica. He no one respected the player, but to say he watched sets and did this and this is what I did, I'd almost go the same way as asking uh, Marquise. Did yeah. you watch the Money Dawson? No, no. They, they arrived. They arrived in Pittsburgh as borderline finished product. Both you know, and, yeah. And most players do. And the better you study yourself. And again, offensive line is not a position you dream of playing. It just ain't. You find out I'm a D lineman whose hips is too tight, so I got to move over to the other side of the ball. That's a different conversation, too, is the realization of what's best for you as a as a player or parents with kids like that, too. I, I, I love that type of stuff, DK. 
That's really good, man. We get some good questions on here. You know that? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be nice. We get challenged, and you really gotta. You see, I get going. I get going. That's oh, yeah. when you know you gotta go. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's do another one of these tomorrow, Mom. I'm ready for it.